podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the AI Premier League preview show after another riveting international break that saw a number of Reds return to Melwood with some knocks. So after 20 points out of a possible 24, Klopp's team returned from the international break intent on pressing home their strong start to the season. So joining me for the pod this week to preview the upcoming game against Huddersfield, I'm delighted to welcome on Richard Cosmala from Huddersfield Town Podcast and he takes that chance, and AI regular and host of the US pod, Justin Wells. Welcome guys. Evening, Harry. It was a pleasure to be here, Harry. Yeah, good to speak with you both. I mean, Richard, I'll come to you first on Huddersfield because I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that I think you're actually waiting outside an arena for us, which is uh, very gracious of you to, to do that. But, uh, I mean, no there's plenty to talk about, really. But, um, I mean, just to start off, I mean, obviously after battling against the odds last season to stay in the Premier League, um, you know, a huge achievement, you know, that, that 16th place finish, David Wagner you know, helping the team to that finish. Um, this campaign, of course, you started in sort of ominously sort of um, poor form at the moment. You're struggling to score, um, despite sort of the creativity you have managed. Uh, without a win from the opening, opening eight games so far, um, I'm, I'm going to get all the bad stuff out of the way early on. So you know, just scored four goals, conceded 17, etc. Um, so we're going to talk about on the, on the pod for sure how you guys go about turning this around. But before we get to any of that miserable stuff, I want to ask you what your thoughts were on last season and the job that Wagner did to ensure you stayed in the league? Well, incredible, Harry. I remember you uh, got in touch with me last uh, year and I thought, I think your parting comment was, if you're still around next season, then you know I'll get in touch with you again. And yeah. I have to say at that point, I'm thinking, yeah, probably a one season in the, in the thought that. But incredible finale, really. I thought as a goose cooked a little bit. If you, remember, I don't know if you remember kind of our running, we had uh, Manchester City uh, and we had Chelsea away and Obviously, yeah, we, we needed to pick up points out of them two games. Bit of a uh, accident, Wallace, to say the least. Uh, we played well at Manchester City, uh, although they, they came out down the tunnel with their kids that were kind of the Soviet Championship. So, yeah, you never expected anything out of that. But, we, you know, we did really well. We even had a you know, chance to kind of steal it in the last minute. But they went down Stamford Bridge. Again, I think they were still in contention. I think a little bit with you were at the Champions League at that point. But, Incredible uh, night down there. Probably one of the best nights has ever been as a, as a fan, really. We weathered a bit of a storm and then the Miracle t- took the lead. Uh, they brought Eddie Nazard on and a few of us off the bench. The job was done. So the night before, up in the Marcus, uh, you know, they got a big win, really. And, and our last game was Arsenal at home. So I think we were all thinking, yeah, looking down the barrel. And foot, really, because the season had, you know, from probably about February and March onwards, we were really, really struggling. So we took an uh, this goals, Tom Ince, uh got us injured. That was the last time uh, I think we've won a game at home. That that, that was probably in March, I think, if my memory says me rightly on wow. maybe early April. So it was an incredible uh, you know, journey really and as well. But yeah, to we were when we got promoted it was like, yeah, one season in the sun and but yeah, to be talking to you again is pretty much a, a big achievement, but obviously like you could kinda of mentioned that there we're We've taken the uh, the struggles on to this season, especially with the goal scoring. Most certainly. I mean, in in terms of last season, then, and and uh, what you think were the big reasons why you managed to secure your place in the Premier League? I mean, obviously Wagner's um, a popular guy in terms of media circles, in terms of 
his his management style, his approach, his general sort of personality. Um, but was it a mixture of sort of, sort of his tactics, his approach, but then also some individual performances from a, cu- a couple of key players who were really the reason why you, you managed to stay in the league? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were kind of undone by a lot of you know top quality you know opposition. So I don't think we gave up sure our best against you in the two games last season. So kind of any Liverpool fans kind of listening to this will be thinking because we really did. We were really poor. I think the highlight for us probably was a penalty save. I think from Lossel might have been from uh, Mo Salah. I don't feel remember you know seeing that. But yeah, the togetherness really. I mean, I, I thought obviously at the top level, you know, more often not quality's going to win the day, but the energy from the stands. I, he counted the points. You know, we we kind of came into the season with a really good start, totally different to this season. Although the fixtures were totally different as well. To be fair, we had uh, Chelsea and Manchester City in our first two games, so probably expecting to come up with zero. And yeah, that that the togetherness of the team. Uh, we signed Terence Congolo on loan, now made a permanent sign. He was massive, uh, kind of in the running, real uh, you know leader at the back, uh, kind of on the fringes of the Dutch international team. He, he was really really strong for us. And yeah, obviously you need a bit of luck as well. I think the Tom Ince goal against Watford was, you know, one of those things where, you know, kind of in the right place at the right time, gambled and going to the box. And yeah, David Wagner, the spirit and, and, and things, you know, we really kept, you know, going. I remember Steve Bruce doing an interview with a local paper up here, you know, because they're asking him, what, what does it take to stay in the Premier League? Because obviously they did it with Hull kind of against the odds. And he said, you'll go a lot of games without, which is important to everybody, you know, fans and players to keep the chins up. And, and that's what happened. We were going eight, nine games without, you know, winning, sometimes without even scoring three or four. And we just did exactly that. And it really was a, you know, triumph against the odds. And a bit of an education for some of our fans, because obviously, in, you know, in the Championship, you're winning a lot more games than, than you're losing. And it's keeping the spirits up, especially when there's a lot of games. I think most of them, to be fair, where we're 30% possession, 40% possession, feeding yeah. on scraps. How? It's, it's an hard watch to be honest with you that, and, and that's been an education to me it's just a matter of kind of sticking in there and but every time David Wagner it just seems to be every time you're just thinking wow we're, we're in trouble here we, it looks pretty ominous he seems to pull something out of the fire as well and okay we haven't won this season but there are one or two good signs to be fair despite us you know obviously being in the bottom three as we speak No of course and I think you sort of speak to some of the challenges there of sort of managing a club um that's, that's gone through the progression that Huddersfield's gone through over the past couple of years. I mean, you, you have to manage expectations that there's sometimes a sort of a, obviously th- there's that desire that, that you got promoted. I mean, just what is the sort of the, the limit of your ambitions and things like that. And, uh, such was the way in which Wagner was sort of being covered as well. At times you, you did think he was going to be sort of a complete miracle worker. But as you said, there, there's plenty of games where you're not going to have the majority of the ball. You're going to have your backs against the wall for large portions of the game. And I guess somebody with his sort of positive attitude as well was a really positive thing for you to have leading to the last season, keeping everybody together, as you said. Um, And actually, it probably leads on quite nicely to what we'll talk about later on in terms of the start that you've had um, and just where where the supporters are at the moment, whether they think, yeah, we can turn this round. It's just something we have to weather and get through. Um, and also how Wagner's approaching it. But um, j- just before we get to that, I mean, one thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, there seemed to be rumours about Wagner actually moving on during the summer and, and people questioning sort of whether he'd stay, whether he wouldn't stay after the success of you know, keeping you guys in the league. Was there ever any doubt in your mind that he would uh, stay at the club? Well, it's interesting because I'm kind of lucky enough to know one or two people close to the, the kind of the owner, Dean Hoyle, and the word on the street was kind of, you know, from the outside, I was thinking, yeah, his stock's never been higher. He's kept us up, miraculous, uh, you know, finish at, at Stamford Bridge, shall we say. And I, I was surprised. I, I honestly thought, yeah, this could be the time for him to go. But you speak, you kind of hear, you know, 
people close to Dean Owen. I don't think he was ever, you know, he was ever worried that we'd lose him and that as well. So whether, I don't know, the offer wasn't right. I know he was touted for a job at Wolfsburg. A lot of them seem to be the German jobs. I know West Ham, again, you don't know what's true, do you? But, you know, the West Ham kind of link was there a little bit before, obviously, they get Pellegrini. And, yeah, so I, I as a fan and, and the fan base, yeah. And no one could have blamed him for going, to be honest with you. He's, he's done brilliant. There's always that usual, isn't there, to take him as far as we so, yeah, once we'd finished the season, I've got to be honest, I, I thought maybe we would, would kind of lose him. But he's very, uh, I think he's very loyal. And I think the biggest boost for me, not only did he not did he sign, but he was kind of, for me, that kind of says he's got unfinished work here. He thinks he can take as high as an ambitious guy. Uh, it's, it's quite, a, you know, most people probably would have walked really, wasn't I think, or, you know, if they'd have got a better offer. And I just think maybe it was a real endorsement. I'm thinking, wow, this is, he's obviously been promised some funds in the summer, which he's obviously, you know, had and spent, and not so mega money compared to most. But yeah, it was, uh, it was such a boost, was that? Yeah, you know, still with us, uh, so coming to this season. So that's why it's important. I think when, you know, we're eight, nine games, including the cup without a win, and to prepare some of the games I've been a tough watch that, you know, we've got to repay as well. The guy could have. Walked out. There was, you know, opportunities to go. I think even in the promotion season as well. So yeah, it works both ways a lot. But often in football, it doesn't. Just think Dino's been on record say even if we go down, that he will still be the manager. But right. But, but I suppose he would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you what you'd expect. But it's very interesting as well because obviously he's uh, good mates with Klopp, and there, there, there's been plenty of comparisons about the two. I mean, some really simplistic comparisons, some more sort of on the money in terms of their values, how they how they manage a club, um, the aspects of a football club and being a football manager that they really enjoy being a coach. Um, and and it, it does sound, I think, from what you were saying there as well, the fact that he did choose to stay on um, would lend you to believe that, okay, he's got he's got more plans for us. He, maybe there's, there's going to be a tactical sort of um, evolution that he's going to try and sort of foster in the team. He's going to try and change things around, um, maybe try and introduce one or two new players that allow you to play a different way. Um, on the back of that, then, I mean, the, the summer investment that you mentioned, I mean, 30 million odd. I mean, it's this substantial amount given the context and everything. But uh, you mentioned Congola made permanent, uh, Diakabi as well, um, another big signing, and uh, Ramadan Sobi, probably one of, the, one of the more familiar names from the Premier League from the from Stoke, of course, young left winger. Um, in terms of the, the, the summer signings you've made, um, do you think you targeted sort of the right positions to, slash, slash players based upon where you were um, you know, slightly weaker last season? Well, this is the interesting debate, to be honest. That we've not seen, and this is, I think, one of the reasons, especially the games where we played against Palace, uh, if you know, games we, you know, even Everton, I thought we should, could have won there. We needed a bit more pace, and especially out wide as, as, as well. So, Dear Carby came from Monaco. I think he was a eleven million pound signing. So obviously, you know, for cut money for really for for a year. So Milan Benz is another young guy, a Belgian under twenty one in the national. He's you know I think he cost about uh, eight million. Sobe, who's he's been injured pretty much all the season. I think he was on the bench at Manchester City now second game, but yeah, he's been struggling to, to fit. So we've not really seen the best of them. Signings Congo was a no brainer. Uh, and, and come. unfortunately now he's injured and missed the game on at the weekend. But yeah, that, that I think that is the thing that I'm looking at and kind of be more optimistic about them. Maybe maybe one or two are because you've got to you know say we scraped up by the skin of our teeth 
we want in you know the new, new sign is really to take us on a little bit further and and the, the verdict's kind of inconclusive at the moment really i mean he's gone back to ranty Vamapara, who's you know tried and trusted winger who most would have probably said he would be out of the uh, you know, running probably moved on and there were rumors of him kind of moving on in the, in the summer and he's kind of gone back to what what he had although you know within lenza uh in, play came on you know against Burnley and it looked quite good but 15 minutes 20 minutes cameos you're not really going to see especially for wide players and they're very you know they're very fragile they're not you know kind of got used to you know Premier League football it's a totally different ball game I think and Benza can't speak any English which obviously you know, I think Wagner likes to kind of throwing guys in at the deep end so I I think you know for us to stay in the division I think these guys have got to you know come come to the party and and again, it's just an interesting one for me, but I, I thought strikers last year, I think we don't create many chances. Anyone watching any of our games will know Steve Mooney and Lon de Potter. You know, I thought we had our strikers kind of covered, really. And for me personally, I wouldn't have signed another striker. But I have to say, on kind of eight or nine games evidence, and yeah, again, creating not many chances in that as well. I, I think maybe we are. And we're linked with a guy at Brentford. Uh, I know it's early doors and the window doesn't open for a bit but I think it's got more pair uh, striker so I don't know whether David Wagner maybe is having a change of heart and again is that just paper talk so yeah the signings are very inconclusive really apart from Congo who were fantastic until he, he kind of you know has got an injury so yeah it'll be disappointing really if none of these kind of guys is making an impact or pace out wide and you know creating chances and, and things that's what we lacked last season so that hopefully these guys can come good and especially we need to deliver pretty quick to be fair yeah no of course I think it's certainly frustrating that, you, that you've not managed to see more of them than you have done I mean in terms of your start to the season then I mean um, you mentioned last season at times there were stretches where you went sort of six seven games eight games maybe without a win um, you know not a side that creates you know, a huge amount of chances in the first place but what do you really put the start to the season down to is it is it down to as you said, some unfortunate injuries there, not allowing the manager to, to maybe field his stronger side or even know his stronger side, having to go back to some of the stalwarts that obviously helped him out last season. Or is it the fact that, I mean, I, I can't remember where I actually heard it, but I think it was um, somebody talking about how you guys had actually had one of the toughest starts to the season. It has a, if you look at the teams you actually played, City, Tottenham, Chelsea, um, I'm going to throw Leicester into it because it's, 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 a, it's a tough place to go to away as well. Um is it simple enough for you to look at those games and go, well, we've, we've, we've had a tough fixture list. Um, it was always going to be a tough start to the season anyway. Um, and perhaps we can pick up points once it gets a little bit kinder for us. Or are there genuine sort of um, concerns about just the lack of creativity in front of goal? Yeah, there are definitely genuine concerns. I think if you'd have seen our game against Cardiff, where I think this is the thing, people are pinning their ropes on that, you know, for the kickstart of the season. It's probably one of the worst Premier League games has ever been since. It was established <laughs> nothing happened, no creativity. We had uh, Johnson Knox sent off, and to be fair, Cardiff should have won the game. But it was an awful game, but you kind of scraped out with a point. Yeah, I mean, we had the bounce factor last year. We, we took seven points from the first three games. We had a nice, favourable fixture list. Cardiff, sorry, uh, Palace away, Newcastle at uh, home. I think we had Le- uh, Leicester at home or Southampton after that. But then, yeah, this year's been different. Chelsea and Man City, I must admit, when I saw the fixture list, you're not up for much in that, but... I think the games where we maybe thought we would cash in, we were so frustrating. I mean, Wilfred Zaha, we played really well against Crystal Palace, but, you know, one moment of magic, we switched off and we were punished. And, you know, that was a game where I was kind of banking on at least a point and out of that. So, uh, disappointing. But the, the, the bright spots, I mean, Everton, we played really well, I thought. And I think you've got a bit, you know, every time we played, you know, Silver's team when we were 
Watford a couple of times. Wagner had the tactical edge, so we went to Goodison half. You can have a 10 minutes out of that game. We probably ended up winning. But unfortunately, the international break kind of came at the wrong time for us, just like I think it came you know, this week, although it sounds like you've got you know, injury troubles as well. So when we played Burnley in our last game, we were really, really good. Had more position than them, which was quite unique for most of our Premier League games. And yeah, we had some good chances, but again, Wayward kind of finishing just in July. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to the fixture list a little bit, but fans will always be happy at as long as we give everything. I think maybe some of the criticism of Wagner has been that we have been a bit too negative, you know, a lot of times. I, I think it started kind of back in the last year where we were kind of going places. I'll be honest, I thought. We can kind of look round and maybe go to the yeah, trophy room museum and what have you. I thought we were just spectators really there. We were, we were so deep, it was untrue. And there were kind of a lot of them games last season where I just want to see what we were, you know, promoted with kind of front foot football. Maybe I might be a bit naive, you know, obviously a lot of games you'll get taken apart, you know, in there. But again, Tottenham, we, you know, we played well. We just bowed to a bit of quality for Manny Kane in the game. No one can argue with that. And the game after Liverpool, we've got like a bit a group of five or six fixtures there where you're thinking, right, we've definitely got to get going. But I think the positive from our point of view, you look around, I don't think Newcastle are up too much. Cardiff, definitely are not. I don't think Fulham and all that, despite spending, you know, 90, 100 million in the, the summer. So there is hope for us there. But I think the media is creating, a, you know, more than we, we are doing really. But it's coming now, I think. But whether it comes out is another matter. Yeah, and I think one thing I thought last season, and some, I think some, some Liverpool fans sort of joked about it because obviously that, Wagner and Klopp are such good mates. I mean, being the best man at someone's wedding and all that. But that actually turning up at Anfield, it felt like we finally had our version of Steve Bruce for any Man United game. Basically, whenever Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce was managing a side and they'd go and play United, always seemed to be basically a buy for United, and it'd be an easy win. And it seemed, I mean, the game at Anfield. I'm not sure if you remember, if you remember that one a bit, but it seemed a very weird game in that Huddersfield didn't seem to have any clear sort of um, plan to approach that game, and then the the return leg as well, it seemed like there was a little bit of this awestruck um, demeanor that you were talking about there as well. I mean, how how do you think Wagner's going to approach it this weekend? Obviously, there's the context of how you start the season, um, I guess the context of uh, the firepower that we have, etc. But, I mean, do you think you'll try anything different than you saw last season? Well, a lot is going to depend on who's fit. I mean, real bad news for us, I think Adam Moy, has uh, not trained. He kind of came away from international duty early. He's key for us. Any time we've played well, he's played well. Uh, and Philip Billing, another guy who scored a goal at, at Goodison, he's been you know doing really well, and he's come back and you know from international duty early. So that that's kind of a worry for us, which is frustrating really, because I was kind of looking at this game, you know, compared to last season. I totally agree with you. I remember the game at Anfield. It was a weird, such a weird game, like I said, because we were I think we. We don't, but the penalty save had happened just before half time. I, I thought, you know, you weren't up too much. The, the atmosphere was really quiet. And I thought, come on, you know, just, just do something a little bit different. But it was all very predictable. We just did what exactly we did in the first half. And you ended up, you know, kind of winning at the counter. So on Saturday, I'm just hoping, you know, we, we kind of can get on the front foot a little bit more. But it does wonder, you know, kind of, is he going to look at your kind of setup rather than concentrating on what, what we can do as well? But, I'm quite a bit excited more about it than maybe 12 months ago. I just think, you know, tea time kick off. Again, a lot of, I think a lot's going to depend probably on your attitude rather than ours, really, because I think, you know, you've got your Champions League game, I think, uh, yeah, you had two, you know, Manchester City and Chelsea, but you're two without a win, really. And I know if you're going for that title, you'll be wanting three points. So I just going to cut 
you know, and maybe kind of rip on the bench. I, I think he'll full team as much as he can get out there, which sounds like, obviously, you've got the hard injury problem. So, yeah, I just hope that we, you know, kind of give it a good go and that's well. And he doesn't play two up front. He never has done. He's, he's thrown a times we've had De Potter and Mounier on some of the games and he's not really worked out. They're very different kind of strikers, so it's, you know, it's not really a combination that's going to strike fear as well, but there's no doubt about it. If Adam Moyes missing on, on Saturday, that's that's going to be a big blow for us, but like them guys were mentioned, maybe, and Benzer, you know, maybe he could be, you know, spark. Maybe it just might take an absolute freak result on Saturday to kickstart our season. Obviously, you won't be hoping for that, but yeah, yeah if you play well, we've play well there's only one winner but I just want to see you know let's give everything like we did at Burnley like we did against Tottenham and you know no one can argue with them no of course I mean I think that was I think that was really the surprise from that Anfield game because I thought when Wagner first would encounter Klopp in that sort of sort of scenario that he would have you know, G'd the team up got them up for it at least there, there would be a game where you, you gave it your all and that there was there was going to be a fun competitive game but the sort of lack of um not enthusiasm, but but the lack of real belief seemed to be a bit of a shock. So I think it's certainly going to be interesting to see how he approaches things this weekend. I mean, just one last thing before we uh, let you go, Richard. I mean, I just wanted to ask you what you um, sort, of, sort of looking from the outside in at Liverpool this season. I mean, is there a particular player that you look at? Is it, is it as simple as Salah or Mane and the, those front three? Is there a particular player who you've seen this season that, that's impressed you for Liverpool? Yeah, I tell you, it's been impressive because uh, to me, I think probably like every cop, I thought it was on his way out. But Daniel Sturridge has uh, just appeared out of the blue to West Brom, got a bad injury and didn't you know, figure much there. But he's kind of impressed me and he, he's kind of a bit of a bonus for you. Obviously, he's got that stunner at Stamford Bridge and I was you know, impressed with that. I don't think you could expect probably Salah to keep going like he did from last season. But again, positive of that, if he kind of you know kicks in, he's, he's surely going to be better, you know. After the world, I think there's a few guys in around Europe. I watch a lot of Spanish football and World Cup items, shall we say. A lot of the players are not showing what they're about, so surely it's better to come there. Uh, what we've seen, I think, some navigate a lot of your guys better to come, and, and you're right up there. And you know, yeah, you can say two without defeat, but sorry, two without a win, Chelsea and, and City, but yeah, two took away that penalty, and it's a different thing. I think it's just a matter of I think, keeping everything going on all fronts, really. Yeah. Probably were disappointed in the Champions League. They, they were poor. I watched that game at Napoli, and it, yeah, you nearly got away with the draw there. So I think it's just you've got the squad for it. I like you and Klopp. I don't think there's many people that don't. But Liverpool, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting season for you. But this is the kind of a game on Saturday. I think where titles kind of can be won really because you've got to come to our place, do a job. You won't be bothered if you don't play well and you know get the result, which I think you probably cruised control both games last season. But I'm wanting to see us give you much more of a game and uh, yeah it'd be nice for Wagner to shake Klopp's hand and somehow we've got a, some kind of result on Saturday but should be a cracker sold out no surprise at our end it's the live on TV it's a tea time kickoff, and uh, yeah I just think that extra day I think you play on Wednesday don't you so I don't I really think you'll put you know your full team out uh, mm. obviously we'll put out what I just hope you know that we, we kind of go, go for it as well and it's, it's a Good spectacle. I just hope that people are turning over after 20 minutes because you're two up and yeah, you might as well watch Strictly come down and whatever's on the other side. So yeah, <laughs> let's hope it's a competitive game. But yeah, it'll be good fun. Sure then. So just before I let you go then, Richard, I mean, thanks so much for that insight on Huddersfield. But I mean, what what's your prediction then for, for the weekend? Well, we did our podcast last night actually. And uh, yeah, there wasn't much uh, kind of optimism for any kind of win. A couple of lads said, 
uh, uh, 2 But got to be honest, I think you've a goal. Probably step in the right direction. If I say you'll, you'll win 3-1, but I just think you'll have too much for us, to be honest with you. But again, it's all about you know the momentum when we play a lot of effort. And even in defeat, you can, you can go on for the, for the next week where I think you can probably you know get maybe his first win against Watford. But yeah, let's hope it's another miracle like we did against you know, United last year. Yeah, we're down there at the John Smith spot. Really, think you'll probably win if you play anything like really. So probably three with Liverpool. Well, I'm sure you, you, you're going to win plenty of friends with that, to be honest, <laughs> in terms of Richard. But yeah, anyway, thanks so much for actually um, for all the insight on Huddersfield. I mean, um, certainly wish you well for the rest of the season as well. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that um, I mean, I mean, I'm almost guessing that uh, Klopp and Wagner are going to share a pint after this, no matter what. So I think it's going to. Um, let's hope for a more competitive encounter, I guess. But yeah, thanks so much, Richard. Pleasure, yeah. Good luck for the rest of the season, apart from Saturday. Thank you. <laughs> thanks so much. Justin, to, to pull you in there, obviously uh, Richard did a, a solid there, I mean, being outside a hockey arena whilst actually still having the time to give us that sort of insight on Huddersfield. Um, uh, certainly going to be an interesting season for them you know, after doing the impossible last time round and, and staying in the Premier League. I mean, uh, he mentioned some interesting challenges there in terms of you know, keeping everybody on side, you know, even when results aren't going your way, even when you aren't dominating games. Um, in terms of our start to the season, I mean, um, what have you made to it? Um, or what have you made of it, rather? I mean, 20 points out of a possible 24, um, and there was a little bit of moaning towards the end of that run just because we hadn't perhaps um, sort of lit the world on fire the way in which we've done in the past. I mean, you must be delighted. Oh, yeah, I, I'm actually really, really happy with the way things are turning out. Um... I look at last season, and I actually have a date stuck in my head, which is the 26th of October, which is the day we played Spurs at Wembley and lost 4-1. to And that was the day that things really started to turn around for us. But our run up until that particular game was was quite poor. I mean, there was the, the talking by City and then the 4-1 against Spurs. Now, we're rolling to about that point in the season right now, and none of the, none of these things have, uh, have happened to us. I mean, we've had one... You know, sucker punch from Napoli in the Champions League. Uh, we lost a game against Chelsea in a, ter- in a competition that, I mean, if you've listened to Pro Quo, you know my feelings about the the cup whose name changes every year. So, but when it comes to the thing that I'm most interested in, the league, we've uh, we've we've done everything we needed to do. The two results that we have that aren't wins are are away to Chelsea. Um, actually, the last time I spoke to you, and. Uh, the, uh, the the draw to City right before the international break. And you really can't complain with the, the results that we've gotten. Now, the nature of how we've gotten them, I can see where people are, are uh, you know, a little bit maybe perturbed or uneasy about it. But to me, it's a manager who in the past has been too gung-ho and not necessarily sometimes enough about looking towards getting the results changing a little bit. And this is what we wanted to see from Klopp. We wanted to see that he could change and not just be you know, the, the, the pure entertainer, but can he also start to put together some of the, uh, you know, the metal that we need to, uh, to, to mount a campaign in the league. And right now, I mean, we're on one. I mean, we're, we're joint top. I mean, obviously we haven't scored as much as Chelsea or City, but look at who we played compared to them. City are, City are walloping against the teams that are newly promoted and lower in the league. Um, Chelsea, similar, um, not as good defensively as us. And we've been great defensively against a very tough schedule. And now we come into the part of it of, of the schedule where I think, you know, we'll have a chance to really kind of maybe begin to express ourselves and find what does work. No, certainly. I mean, I think when I look at this Liverpool team, I think the thing that strikes me is that 
um, whilst things perhaps haven't gone full throttle yet in the attacking sense. I mean, we have become so used to seeing that, especially last season, we were spoiled, of course. Um, this strikes me as the most serious sort of Liverpool team that I can remember for a long time, both in terms of the strength of the team, the first 11, and the strength of the squad as well. Um, those defensive performances, that resilience that we're seeing, the ability to control games, which really, to be honest, is something I don't think Liverpool have been able to do, actually control a game on the ball for years now, to be honest, absolutely years. So, so the fact that they've actually gotten the results, maybe whilst not playing 10 out of 10 games, um, really shows them that they are serious contenders this year. At least that's all, what we're all hoping. And as you mentioned as well, tough fixture list to start things off. Things do begin to get a little bit easier for us. Um, but international break has, has hit us again. <laughs> it always seems to be that way. Uh, I'm sure it's probably not as bad as we're making it out. But um, Salah, Mane, uh, Van Dijk and Keita all picking up supposedly uh, injuries of some sort. Um, whether or not those will just turn out to be you know, some of them far less serious than others. Um, it's obviously a tough blow for us. Uh, midfield's probably more hit than others, especially with Milner's injury as well. Do you think, you know, given we just got through that tough fixture list and there are some easier um, games coming up against sides you'd expect us to beat, that we're going to start to see some rotation now and see that uh, that, that strength of the squad, you know, Studge, who Richard mentioned there, you know, he wins Player of the Month, you know, for... Um, his contributions over the last few weeks, uh, Shakiri you know, dying to get going, uh, and Fabinho as well must be absolutely bursting to try and get on that pitch again. Um, do you think we're finally going to see those guys introduced? Well, I mean, I, I kind of want to go player by player. So Sturridge, I think we Sturridge we've seen the most of any of them thus far this season, and I think the way in which Klopp has handled Sturridge is not something I'd change because we we all know that the knock on Daniel Sturridge is going to be nothing to do with skill. It's always going to be the dirt. It's always going to be the durability. And the fact that we're managing his minutes, but he's still contributing quite heftily. And, you know, I think it's something like a, a goal, uh, a goal contribution every 54 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Which is insane. You know, it's, it's great. Basically, it means that if he's, you know, if he's getting two substitute uh, appearances in, in a game of half an hour, of half an hour in uh, the course of a week, he's scoring a goal. Or if he's starting, he's scoring a goal, which is what we need out of him. So I, I wouldn't change how he's being managed. I would maybe play him from the off more and sub him out at 60 minutes in the league. Particularly, I think, you know, I think that, um, that Saturday is actually a game that kind of calls for that because, you know, Hunter's, I think Hunter's field is a game within which he can really probably do some serious damage. But um, when it comes to Shaq and Fabinho, um, I'd like to see Shaq play a lot more. Um, I'd like to see him play, particularly if, if you know, Keita is, is going to miss this game and it looks like he will. Maybe playing Shaq as the attacking midfielder and having him run at the uh, at Huddersfield defense because that is the one thing we have been missing is that midfielder who can kind of drive at a defense and not play um, you know in the kind of like static flat way that we have to keep our to make ourselves more solid but it's it's you know it's absolutely costing us creativity as for Fabinho um, I, I want to see him establish himself on the side if for any other reason than not having to listen to a podcast of uh, Jordan Henderson's uh, abilities at the six uh, being debated one more time. Um, I, I think Fabinho really yeah. does. I can't. I can't handle it anymore. It's 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 become a, it's become like the most boring topic in the world to me. But uh, I, I think I mean Fabinho was bought for that purpose. He wasn't bought to be an auxiliary right back because if he was, we would have certainly played him against City and left Gomez at centre back. But um, I think we really do need to see him, and I think that he actually would help in our uh, in in our game moving forward because you know I you know I don't want to become fixated on Jordan Henderson because as as we just said it's boring. But I I just think that uh. 
he does his contribution and his abilities actually are just a bit better further up the pitch, especially with uh, his ability to kind of press and be a, you know, a better transition player than he is an anchor. And I think we do need to see Fabinho come in and become that anchor and get used to the pace of the Premier League, which is the one competition that I don't think he's really actually played in yet, save, you know, I don't know if he's actually seen a minute in the league yet, but I I, I might be wrong on that. But I I would just like to see him, you know, really mix in and take over that deepest player spot. Also, because I think his pick, I think his passing is actually going to be decently progressive. And, you know, he, there's a reason we went out and bought him. And at some point, you just have to throw, you just have to throw him out there and see what you have. And I think that I, I first, personally, I think actually Saturday is the day with him, which we're going to see it for the first time because I don't really know what our other options are. No, exactly. I think we'd be put in a position where, with Milner's injury, I mean, he, he, he could be fit, but I, I don't think you want to rush him back for a game like that, especially Cater as well. Certainly not going to be fit by all, by all accounts. Um, in terms of Shakiri, I mean, you, you mentioned wanting to see more of him in that sort of, um, number 10 role then that, that we saw him sort of, um, play against Southampton. Is, is that where you see him being most effective in games like this where we can add another attacker to the team and you know, perhaps be a little bit more gung ho than we usually would be? But, uh, it, that should be enough to help us uh, unlock defenses that you know, sides who are going to come and perhaps just sit uh, and, and try and be more um, conservative against us. I, I I really do, and I think once again though it really depends on what you have in midfield and what we what we have there. Like because I could see a three of Shakiri, Fabinho, and Genie with maybe like you know, and I know that Klopp doesn't love tinkering with necessarily the formation, but kind of a double pivot of Shakiri and Genie. Would you know? Would probably would probably work to make sure that we do have a base to protect the defense, cover the fullbacks when they're making runs forward, and ensure though that if you know Shaq gets himself committed up up, up the pitch, that we have two guys who have the uh, the tactical and positional awareness to make sure that they they're covering for him and that they don't leave giant gaps in the midfield. So I think that you know that's that's the role I'd like to see him play against these sides. I think Shakiri though is going to kind of, I think he's going to probably um, move around between this kind of role. And, uh, you know, filling in at either, either one of the wings. The only, the only position I really can't see him taking on is that Firmino center forward position. And I think the only other center forward we should play is Sturridge because he, he has the instincts of a center forward that are, you know, of a striker at the, at the least. Um, Firmino obviously he plays significantly more as an attacking midfielder, but the work rate, um, is, is what we'd be really missing between, you know, Shakiri and, and Firmino. Whereas Shakiri probably doesn't also have Sturridge as hold-up play. No, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think we have seen some sort of instances of him using his strength positively and things like that. But yeah, the more natural fit you'd assume if if Firmino was to be rotated would be uh, Sturridge to go. And especially based upon the comments that we've seen from from uh, Klopp so far this season, in that the aspects of Sturridge's performance that seem to have impressed him the most aren't the goals. Obviously, the goals are great, and we know Sturridge can provide us um, that he he always has done. But it's been sort of his all-round game and the way in which he's fit into maybe the system in a little bit more of an effective way than we've seen beforehand. I'm not sure how much to read into it, but Klopp definitely seemed to be more effusive about his own performances. Uh, Fabino as well, I'm, I'm almost certain that, I mean, I mean, that guy's been bought for a reason. Uh, there's no way he's bad enough and uh, has that much of a detrimental effect on our system that he he can't play against Huddersfield. In my personal opinion, I think he should be should be fine to do that, and, and perhaps injuries are going to force uh, Klopp's hand a little bit. So, in terms of those injuries that we were talking about, again, we don't really know the severity of them. I think there was some news tonight on Mane 
having a successful sort of procedure on his, I think, what, what was a broken thumb. Uh, Salah, um, rumours about the severity of this groin strain. Van Dyke, um, hard to know because Coleman apparently said he had cracked ribs, but then the guy you know, comfortably managed himself through a couple of games in the in, in, in international uh, break, including one against Germany with that historic win for uh, for, the, for the Netherlands as well, uh, him scoring a goal, of course. Uh, and Keita, I think that's probably the most probably the most le- legitimate of all the injuries in terms of him looking like he's just needs a bit of a rest uh, in order to recuperate. Of those um, of those players I mentioned there, I mean the squad is probably strong enough now that we could rotate for all of them. Um, but which one of them do you think would be the biggest loss? Is, is it the you know, is it Van Dijk that you're hoping to see run out on that pitch on Saturday, you know, looking fine, or you know, are any of the others the ones you think they'd be big losses if they weren't uh, uh, weren't to be available? So I, I don't necessarily like disrespecting our opposition because I feel that that's kind of a, a bad thing to do. But I, I think Huddersfield actually the state that they're in are a team within which if we do need to rest Virgil van Dijk and play Dejan Lovren in the center, it probably won't kill us. So if, if van Dijk's ribs are really a big problem, rest him. But I don't think that they are. I don't think he would have played for the for, I don't think he would have played for the Dutch national team if they were. Um, and, I you know, we, we've seen him play it. He missed what one game in the midweek against che- against Chelsea in the League Cup for us. I think he's fine. I would play him if healthy. But of, but of the guys I'm least worried about for their injury, it's him because also he's he's just of those four guys right now the form player. Um, and I think he's probably also our best player. So I think he's the one that I'm I'm, I'm least worried about. But also just think that you know it, it, he's the one that I think we need to to keep most fit because I think he's the biggest difference maker. Uh, I'm not really worried about Sadio Mane's broken thumb because I don't know what a broken thumb does to an attacker. Um, I can just imagine it hurts a little bit, but it, I, I don't see how it's, it's not going to change his balance. It's not going to change how he how he kicks the ball. Um, it's not going to change his uh, his tactical desire to try to take men on. Um, Salah, I'm not really that worried about because it seems like it's relatively minor. The one I am most worried about is Keita solely because of the fact that he hasn't really had a chance to develop a a flow yet. And the longer it takes him to keep going, the uh, I think the tougher it becomes to uh, to find to find where you are in the team. Though the flip side of that could be that he could have like an ox-like effect, where if he's held out longer, he comes back into the second half of the season and really provides us some impetus and push. Yeah, I know what you mean. There, I think also Kato was one that we're also excited about, really wanting to see him sort of come into this team, knowing what he could bring to the team in terms of the qualities he has and. Uh, especially how he started the season as well. You, when you saw a couple of those moments of real quality and flair from him, and you're thinking, here we go, this guy's about to take the league by storm. Um, the way in which he seems to have been maybe under instruction, be a bit more tactically conservative, cautious in his role. Um, I am looking forward to seeing him sort of fit and firing so he can be a bit more uh, expansive in how he's, how he's played for us so far. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Broken thumb. I mean, Sai Brandish uh, appears to think it's fine to play with. Um, Van Dyke, he's, he's questioned whether Van Dyke will ever get sort of you know, really injured, you know, being the alpha that he is. Um, Salah, he's probably the one who I'd look at and think maybe could could you, you could give him a rest based upon, you know, he's not had a not had the start to the season that would be sort of on you know, paralleled with you know, the heights that he set last season. But of course, we know that. Through all the underlying numbers as well that he is performing at a very high level still, maybe he could do with the rest here. Who knows? Um, certainly looks sort of mentally shattered after sort of the things he's been going through 
over the past few months. Um, given how tough the start's been, though, with, the, with those fixture lists um, that we talked about, the, the games that we come up against, the, the opposition, those last two draws against City uh, and Chelsea, are you now expecting to see us flip, you know, flip a switch and, and return to that more expansive, um, attacking, maybe intense side um, that we saw um, for much of last season, really? I don't know that we're ever going to be as... I don't, I don't know that we're going to be as consistently creating chaos because that's really what our attack was. It's creating chaos and being on, uh, on the opposition or from the off. I don't think that we're going to consistently do that every single match. I do think that approach will come from time to time. I expect to see it on Saturday, but I think, uh, I think now that we have a, I think we have more than one way to play. Everybody's always complained about the lack of a plan B. Um, I don't think that everybody realizes that the plan, this is our plan B, play with more control. Yeah, no it's concede. just not a plan B. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a plan B and attack. Everybody's wanted the plan B and attack of, oh, what, but we haven't been a side that's played to, uh, you know, played the balls up in the air to a striker, uh, since, since we had Andy Carroll. And there's a reason we abandoned that type of play. It's because that, that lump it up to a, you know, to a, to a big guy that doesn't work in the Premier League anymore. It's why, uh, you know, I, I don't want to digress and talk about Jose Mourinho, but it's why the whole uh, strategy of playing to Fellaini's head is, uh, is so widely panned and criticized. It's it's just a it's a style that you play in mid table because of the fact that you don't have the ability to tear teams apart, and pulling teams apart by moving defenders is a is is an approach that generates more uh, more goals than you know just playing to someone's head. So I, I expect us. So the whole thing about Plan B, I think our Plan B is play with more control. I think we're actually going to see plan a you know this weekend against Huddersfield and next weekend against Cardiff but I, I do expect to see some return to that approach I don't expect it to be I don't expect it to see to see it all the time yeah no I think I know what you mean there and uh, it certainly is encouraging that our plan b is to control games and not concede I think we, we've all looked at that for a long time and thought if we can do that then we'll be finally considered a serious sort of contender for for the title, and and that, that is what it appears to be so far. Early signs are are, are positive, of course. I guess what my question was, I mean, it was probably more whether you think it is as simple as us sort of you know, the past few games that we had. You know, there were tougher games uh, based on the players we had available and, and the, mid, the midfield that we put out there. Um, it was our intent to be more uh, conservative. It, it was a plan, like you say, that plan B of being more conservative, being more controlled. And that we can now just flick the switch back um, and uh, return to our sort of more uh, attacking, intense ways with the likes of Shakiri thrown in there um, to add that sort of dynamism. Oh, I, I, see, that's absolutely. I think that's absolutely true that we would probably change that dyna- that dynamic. I mean, if you look at what we've played the last few games, it's been pretty much that consistent midfield of Hendo, Milner, and Genie. And you know, the three of them. The one thing you wouldn't call them is incredibly like none of them are incredibly mobile none of them cover a lot of ground particularly hey, quickly did you G- see Ginny? the fastest one <laughs> yeah Ginny's the fastest one but even then i think he is the one who's uh probably holding the most back as far as the ability to move because nobody nobody's confusing uh hendo and milner with uh you know carl lewis and usain bolt but uh I, I think that you know the fact that we know that those guys aren't that quick but they can be disciplined and if you give them a job they'll do it is probably the reason we want, we haven't been uh, particularly attacking. It, it's just it's 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 obviously to me just straight down to here's the plan. None of you guys get too far apart. Clog passing lanes, and it was clear that's what, that's what we did against City. That's why City I think had their uh, their lowest uh, xG of the Guardiola era against us. 
uh, because we, we didn't give him any passing lanes. It, you can't, if you can't, like in a city of masters that, that get the ball to the, uh, the byline and cut it back, they didn't have an opportunity to do that to us once because they couldn't get it to the byline. And I think that, I mean, that's not an accident. So I think that we set up that, that way. I think that if you change the setup, the result changes. Mm. And it was even interesting to see how City got set up in that game as well. I mean, I, I never thought I'd see Bernardo Silva sort of tasked with doing the job that he did that day and actually doing it as diligently as he ended up um, doing in midfield that day. But, um, very disciplined role for him, from him as well. Um, in terms of midfield then, you know, Milner likely to be out, Cater likely to be out. We've, we've talked about Fabino a little bit there. Um, but one unexpected sort of uh, potential return that's been rumoured a little bit is uh, the return of Adam Alana. He's obviously in training. Uh, he's fit now. I mean, we're seeing all the usual stuff you see when people return to fitness, you know, training ground goals, etc., uh, flicks and, th- and tricks like that. Um, how much of a surprise would it be for you if he was, if he turned up in the starting 11 on Saturday? The surprise to me wouldn't be if he turned up in the starting 11 because of the fact that I would have expected, I, I, I half expect that Klopp uh, likes him and would want to get him a run out. The surprise to me would be if he finished 90 minutes without ending up on the trainer's table. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. Based upon his own record, yeah. it's it's, 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 yeah, not, it's not, not looking great for him, is it? Yeah, but you know what? I, he, I, I do like when a player gets a chance to play after a while out because they have something to prove. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Lolana trains really hard and is a, is a very good professional. I just think that he's probably. I, I feel like the sides probably evolved past him because we play a lot quicker than he does at this point. So I half expect him to play. But if he does, I don't expect that he would be the solve that we need as far as connecting the midfield to the attack. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely interesting. The rumors have seemingly just started again already for January. People talking about you know what's going to happen. Fakir was clearly a target. We didn't manage to get him. You still sort of figure that we'd be potentially missing that link man now that Coutinho is no longer there. Um, you know, is, just as long as no one. Just as long as no one that tweets that Adam Lallana is like a new signing, I'll I'll, I'll be I'll be happy. Yeah, no, I think I I, I think people are sort of hindered in, in, in trying to say that because he he generally doesn't stay around too long, does he? When he actually comes back from from injury, such has been his record over the past few years. Yeah, never sort of good to see that in a player, but yeah, he he does certainly seem to have a hard time of it, and and you're hoping he's not being rushed back just because Klopp's. Uh, Fond of the guy for sure. Um, uh, another player who, who actually did have a successful international break, didn't come back with an injury, uh, came back, I guess, with just his, his reputation even more enhanced than it is already this season, uh, is, of course, Joe Gomez. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that England game against Spain. Uh, big result, of course, for, for Southgate's men to actually win 3-2 against uh, uh, what had previously been pre- pretty much all-conquering Spanish side in this uh, in this new Nations League um, that's uh, both equally irritating, but actually a, a little bit interesting as well. Um, Gomez again, sort of towering performance in there. Um, this time for England, um, huge sort of uh, upward trajectory of his career over the past year or so, and the way he started this season. What have you made of his development and uh, start to the season? And are, are there aspects of his game? I mean, obviously, we all hoped and knew that he had talent, um, but what aspects of his game have surprised you the most, really? So the the, uh, the aspect of the game, the game that surprised me most actually has been his passing out of the back. It's, it's really progressive. He seems to try to break lines passing the ball and move and trying to get the ball into uh, into the feet of the front three. And I, I think that's something that I, I really didn't expect because 
you know, the one thing that he always left us wanting with it right back is the fact that his final ball from that wide area doesn't seem to, didn't seem to be that particularly great. And look, it's a different skill set to pass from a center back position than it is from a fullback position. Um, you know, the idea of trying to create the final ball and trying to put a ball where it can be, you know, taken down and scored is very different than just break, trying to break through through uh, another team's midfield from from the back. But it's the fact that he is so progressive and so adept at putting the ball two feet and putting the ball into spaces where, you know, our attackers are getting it in positions where they can move with it, not just playing it to someone's feet when someone's on their back and then, uh, you know, coming to, to step back to take the back ball back off of them. Um, his positional play is also great, too. It's one of the things that I like about his positional play, and it seems to be taken very much from Van Dyke, is there's not such an emphasis on that, you know, we need to tackle type of thing. It's just, I'm in position, I have this handled. And you, and he doesn't feel the need to to commit and try to, uh, you know, take you know take the ball by these thundering tackles, you know, like a Lovren or a Skirtle would get credit for because of the fact that, you know, they got beat badly and they made a good recovery tackle. He doesn't seem to have the issue of, of getting of getting beat now you know it it happens you know you have instances like when he shut off uh, on Hazard in, on you know where where Allison makes that great one on one save in the second half against Chelsea but those have been very few and far between also for a young center back his concentration levels seem to be fantastic he doesn't really seem to to go off the boil or or miss anything so I, I'm very impressed by just his ability to uh, to to keep concentration position himself well. And, and pass the ball. And I didn't expect that the passing thing to come, you know, as I said, from him, from how we saw him play right back last year, where the ball kind of seemed like a stick of dynamite to him at times. Yeah, I know what you mean. There. I, I, I think the thing, I mean, I mean, certainly all those points that you mentioned, there, I think we, you, they're clear to see from his performances and that there does seem to be a maturity about his performances and a confidence that um, is really, really sort of encouraging to see. I mean, the other thing that I've seen from both of them now um Van Dyke and Gomez. It's just, Gomez is, is so quick. I don't. I didn't think I quite, quite realized just how how pacey he was. I mean, there was a moment against City where he sort of kept pace with uh, Leroy Sane towards the end of the game, sort of running down uh, in the right back channel even. Um, and then there was, of course there was that moment. Was it the recovery tackle against uh, Zaha uh, against Palace? That was a really really fantastic yeah. um, clean recovery also, tackle. Uh, Caught Willian from behind oh, against yeah. Chelsea as well. Yeah, both of them sort of fighting to to catch him, weren't they? It was uh, it, it, it was very impressive. So yeah, I mean, I mean that's hugely encouraging. And also, I think what's really encouraging for him as well, and, and touch wood, um, he stays healthy throughout the entire season. But if you think about what that guy went through injury wise uh, for a young player um, at the start of his career, after such a big move, where you think you, you know, here I am, I'm ready to to make it, make a name for myself. Uh, probably tell you something about his character as well there, although of course that is the intangibles, but um, certainly seems to have a strong one. But um, just uh, to, to sort of wrap things up, then we come on to Huddersfield this game, and um, you heard Richard there talking about the struggles they've had this season um, so far, but that they had gone through stretches like that last season as well, and they're just sort of looking for a result to sort of give them a little bit of a lift. Uh, um, one of the things that was surprising about last season's games against Huddersfield is you would have thought, you know, best man at his wedding, you know, uh, close relationship. There was going to be either some sort of secret tactical insight that Wagner had, or um, at the very least, you, you expected a more competitive game, I think, than we got both times round. Um, you heard Richard asking for that this time round from, from Huddersfield. Uh, but what are you expecting this, um, this Saturday? Um, I mean, from them, would you expect them to sit? Um, and try and soak up pressure from us, or is their best chance to really b- 
be, I guess, a bit more gung-ho or, or, or will they just get torn apart? I, I think if they come out as gung-ho, they're, uh, they're, they're looking at a bad day. Um, ultimately, they, uh, they need to, um, they probably need to sit back and they probably need to try to defend against us. I don't think that that's going to end up working. I think they're looking at a, I think they're looking at a rough one either way. Uh, because I, you know, I, I think that they're, you know, it, the thing we've been saying is we're waiting for us to, for Liverpool to come out and talk a team. And the last team that we played that wasn't a particularly great quality was Southampton and we were, you know, clear three nil at the half. I think something similar is going to happen to them regardless of how they come out and play. Because if we get that early goal, they have to come out. Plus, also, I can't see Wagner because of the fact that him and Klopp come from a similar kind of school of thought. Really, maybe trying to sit back too far and maybe just trying to have a go at uh, trying to have a go at his friend and trying to see if he can yeah. if he can win. Because you know, for ninety minutes, as close as a friend that they are, they're they're, they're not neither one of them is going to care about that because they're both professionals and they're both extremely competitive. No, there's no football manager in the Premier League who isn't an extraordinarily competitive person, and. I, I just can't see how Wagner's not going to want to try to beat his friend. No, yeah, I know what you mean. There, I, th- I think there's, there's, there's certainly going to be that sort of desire to to win. I think I think that was one of the things that I, I found so sh- sort of striking about the performances against them last season was just it, it seems almost like there was some bite lacking from those performances. Okay, so we, we talked about players who could potentially come in. We talked about uh, the strength of the squad and, and how we, we would expect stylistically for us to turn things around a little bit now and go a bit more attacking, a bit more intense. Um, in terms of a lineup, then, I mean, if, if you were to pick a, a front three and uh, and a midfield for uh, the weekend's game, um, what would you go for personally? I'd I'd go with Mane, Firmino, and Shakiri. Um, I'm giving Salah the rest for the groin. Um, I, even if it's if it's not serious, give him half an hour just to get some, yeah, just get a run in his legs. But I don't think we need to worry about Salah's confidence. I don't really. I think that's an overblown issue. But ultimately, I just think that the uh, the problem is going to be that we we just need to find a way to, to, to get a way through. I still wouldn't start Surge in this game. Uh, I think that he probably should be rested and played in the midweek against Red Star. But I think that ultimately, it's just, you know, that Shakiri, uh, Firmino, and uh, Mane should be the front three. And I'd go with a midfield of... Uh, Probably Fabinho, Chini, and uh, Henderson, with the caveat that Henderson is pushed forward and Fabinho is the deepest one. Because mm. I think Fabinho needs to get used to that role. And I think Henderson's probable best use for us is actually going to be playing multiple different roles in the midfield. So I think he needs to get used to playing both of those roles again. Yeah, I think it actually would be very interesting to actually see him back in that role again because... Uh, I think it's, it's been talked to death, um, like you mentioned earlier on. I mean, the whole Henderson in the six not working, such a we get it, we know that Klopp clearly is persisted with him in that role for for whatever reason. But you would imagine, you know, I mean, Fabinho has been has been purchased to, to play that role. So, yeah, it, it could be that by the end of the season we see Henderson you know, far more uh, used to going back in into that more advanced role. And uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think he's, he's potentially much more useful for us there, especially in terms of bringing that intensity in the way he does press um, further up the pitch. So I think that's, that's certainly going to be interesting then. All right, that's yeah, it. I, you can't, you can't necessarily, just on one point at Henderson, you can't necessarily turn back time, but no. I did watch the 2013-14 uh, nil at White Hart Lane, or at least the highlights oh, of yeah, it the other instrumental. day. Yeah. And yeah, the things he did during that game when he was just feeling in full flow and, you know, uh, the, ba- the back heel he plays to, uh, 
to Suarez to set up the uh, the John Flanagan goal or the the play that he makes to you know score his own goal or for that matter the play that he makes to set up Suarez for the first goal. But the further up the pitch he is, I feel like the more good comes out of him, and I, I want to see that because you know he's a, he's a Liverpool captain. Regard, I I have no ill will towards the guy personally. I want to see Liverpool captains do good things on the pitch. Yeah, no, I I I know what you're saying there. And also, I think I think it just ties in with what I've always thought about him is that he's he's a far better instinctive player when he has uh, sort of less time to think about things. You know, I mean, early on we used to see him doing those sort of one-touch passes um, you know, in behind you know, four runners. Um, again, when pressing, you know, winning the ball back quickly, doing those back heels, doing those quick exchanges with the players he used to play with in terms of Suarez and Sturridge and Sterling, um, you used to see the best of him. It, it does seem when he has longer to think about things and. Obviously, in that six role, you have a lot, a lot, a lot of time to think about things. Um, being captain, you know, the pressure that you come under with that, you, perhaps there is a bit more of a, of a conservatism that does come into your game, um, just you know, with all those factors combined. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether uh, by the end of the season we see a bit more of a carefree um, Henderson, who, who's returned to a role a bit further up the pitch, even if he's not as intense as as bright for us as he was in that thirteen fourteen season for sure. It, it would certainly be good to see him sort of. Uh, try his shooting boots again because I've always felt like he, he doesn't truly back himself to put his th- foot through the ball um, the way in which, uh, of, of course, uh, we saw Ox do last season. Uh, obviously a very different type of player, but in terms of your prediction then for for this weekend, it sounds like you're very confident. It sounds like we, I mean, we, we need to be. Um, these, these are the sorts of games that we need to be winning if we are to be considered serious title contenders. Uh, you heard Richard sort of go for a 3-1. He's just after a goal. Huddersfield, of course, only scored four in their first... Um, Eight games conceded seventeen. What are you expecting? We're not exactly uh, as friendly in terms of uh, giving away goals as we used to be. Um, I'm going for a three nil. I would say it's a four or five, but I think that ultimately, being away from home, we will show a little bit of respect to every team in the league because you you, you kind of need to in the Premier League. You know, we've seen that any, any side can beat anybody, but I do think that this is a comfortable three nil, and I and I and I and I think that we actually probably do up the tempo and kind of rip through them yeah I, I i i can't see anything about that as well and I, I i hope we do actually see some some use of these players who've been on the periphery a little bit shakiri it does strike me as a game where he could be let loose and uh you know enjoy a bit more freedom that he that he has in a game like this uh similarly i think fabino it, 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 will, it will be good to see him you know just whether by injuries or just the fact that you know we're now starting to ease him in now the fixtures have gotten a little bit easier for us so i'm going to go for I'm going to go for a three 0 as well because I I just can't see us conceding, especially to a side um, that has struggled so much in front of goal. So uh, I'm going to go for another sort of um, Steve Bruce esque buy for Klopp in terms of a, a game against Wagner, his old mate. Um, but anyway, um, Justin, thanks so much for your insight there on, on on Liverpool. As always, good to speak to you again, and uh, obviously thanks a lot to to Richard earlier on for his insight on Huddersfield uh, and for sort of sticking with it outside that arena for us. I um, hope you've really enjoyed listening to this pod. Uh, it's good to be back after international break. And uh, we'll be back again next week to preview another game and hopefully talk about a positive result uh, this weekend against uh, Huddersfield. So thank you all for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.